If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. Hi, I'm going to whisper some things to you now about Crunch Chocolate Bars. Because apparently this whispering thing is a thing that makes you feel things. It's saying something crunchy is coming in the candy wrapper language. Mm. Imagine your tongue hiking up those crispy, rocky ridges. Now, drum roll, please. Wow, that's good. Crunchy, munchy chocolate doesn't whisper. Turn up the fun with Crunch. Hello, it's Lee Salisbury here. Welcome to another shiny edition of Soap from the Box, the TV behind-the-scenes podcast where we learn about life on and off set for some of the biggest stars from television's biggest shows, EastEnders, Coronation Street, Home and Away Neighbours, Emmerdale and Hollyoaks. Last week, season three kicked off and what a start we had. Paul Robinson, a.k.a. Stefan Dennis, of course, himself, from Neighbours, join me. We had the legendary Chris Chattel, the longest-serving cast member of Emmerdale, and Leslie Dunlop, who plays Brenda. They were both here celebrating 50 years, as was John Middleton, who played Reverend Ashley Thomas for over 20 years. Plus... Just to put the icing on the cake, I launched a new series, Pop From The Box, where I meet some of the legends of pop music from the 80s, 90s and noughties. We kicked off with Sonia and Claire Richards from Steps. How can it get more exciting? Well, it just has today. Sean Maguire started life in Grange Hill and EastEnders in the UK. He has now taken Hollywood by storm. I actually booked him for a show years ago. He was presenting a film for the BBC Holiday Programme. We never met in person. We didn't meet in person this time. I interviewed him from LA. This is one of my favourite episodes I've recorded. What a gentleman, what a brilliant guy and what a role model for aspiring actors out there. I think you're going to enjoy this. My guest today has been in the industry for 40 years, which makes him sound old, but he still has the babyface charm he did back then. His career started very low profile. He starred alongside someone called Sir Lawrence Olivier when he was just five years old. He went on to start in continuing dramas, including Grange Hill and EastEnders, and made a slight detour by just getting eight top 30 hits and has gone on to take Hollywood by storm. He's been the lead in US box office smash Meet the Spartans, huge roles in TV shows such as Off Center, Eve, and Comedy Central series opposite Kevin Hart called Crod Mandoon. Currently starring in CBS Drama Squad, he also runs the hugely successful The Players Conservatory, which is a training ground to learn about the craft of acting, writing and songwriting. But I think his biggest achievement is he was voted the third person you'd most like to see get messy by CBBC viewers. It's a pleasure to welcome Sean Maguire. Hello, mate. Thank you, Lee. Thank you for that lovely intro. And and I think you did. You, you put the cherry nicely on the top of the cake. That 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 being pied. And I did get pied. You did by uh, Chris Chris Jarvis, I think. 
Uh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. It's funny. Whenever I don't do interviews all that often, but when I do, it's sort of like it's a great way to um, keep keep my memory because I'm like, oh, yeah, there's that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I forgot I, I did that. I mean, you're, yeah, yeah. You'll get to that because you've done so much. But I mean, it was part of the 90s, wasn't it? Getting gunged or they they don't seem to yeah, do that anymore. It was, it's not part it of the big, culture. Yeah, it's, We seem to have cut back on, on sliming and gunging people, which is a shame because I think I think now more than ever, a lot of us could use something to put a smile on our face. So um, maybe we should bring back gunging. Gunging, yeah. Maybe there's a niche market for that now. I mean, I always say Saturday morning telly and stuff that you would have been on. Oh, as a I miss star. Saturday morning TV. Yeah. I, really, I, really, I mean, obviously, I live in, in the States and, you know, I've got a seven year old, a four year old, and a one year old. And so I'm besieged with YouTube videos. Of, of of men in their 30s playing Fortnite and they all talk at each other and it, it's such a pet peeve of mine because they're like okay man you should go over here and I'm just like I, I can't I'm not a great morning person anyway no I no I mean it's lovely with my kids but I see a YouTube video and I'm like get it off get it off I think the idea off. that kids would sit for four hours now and watch you know people getting guns it's just a change of the world isn't it it's changed uh, and also I miss the cartoons you know and then there's a bit of like a Blue Petery show or a, a Why Don't You and, and you know there was just I don't know I you know it was more variety now youtube has just completely taken over children and, and i and i'm not a fan of it at all no well maybe we should bring it back but let's go back to what i said then i mean at five years old i never realized this you were in the film a voyage around my father i mean starring with Lawrence olivier i mean had you always i know you come from a you know a very performance background with your family but was acting i mean what a way to start you know i was down i wanted to act at that age i was down the local theater group you were doing a film with Sir Lawrence olivier amazing yeah it, that 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 was uh, a really you know I I didn't realize at the time the the importance of him and you know it wasn't just him it was Alan Bates played my dad and Jane oh. Ash played my mum wow and, um, you know being five that that meant nothing to me uh, but I remember I do some of my very earliest memories are, are are doing that job because you know I'm one of six kids and um, there was only three of us at the time uh, my older brother myself and my sister were were only born at that time but. Even then, you know, my dad worked and has his whole life worked really, really hard. And so getting a bit of time with my dad was always special. And so my dad took me away to wherever we filmed it. I can't really remember now. And so I got to stay in a hotel. It's the first time I remember staying in a hotel. It's the first time I remember going to a restaurant. I still remember having fish and chips. Uh, maybe for the first time, I don't remember, but there was lemon on the fish. And I was like, Gosh, what, what this is so posh that I've entered into. So oh, now in Hollywood, evening, yeah. It was a very, very um sort of exotic experience to me. And my dad said to me, Now listen, when you when you go on the set tomorrow and, and you're gonna you're gonna work with these people, you have to be very well behaved, you're gonna work with the best actor in the world. And if you say to a child something is the best in the world, you've got their attention. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. And, and, I, and I, I remember I was I was obsessed with Star Wars at that time. And um, and so when I met Laurence Olivier, who's, you know, in his, I think, 80s, it was actually, a, I believe it was the last film he ever made before he passed away. And um, so when my dad had prefaced it by this, and then I saw this this old man, I was like, what? He's the best in the world? He's not in Star Wars? I think my dad's crazy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So it didn't make a lot of sense to me, but obviously as I got a bit older, when I said the name Lawrence Olivier Alan Bates, Jane Ash, people were like, whoa. And I was like, oh, that's a big deal, is it? Yeah, okay. that's a big deal. The big question yeah. is, do you still demand lemon on your fish now? Is that your, on your rider? <laughs> Actually, I still do. I still do love a bit of lemon on my fish. You know, it's <laughs> but, hard to find good fish and chips in LA, sadly. We have to travel 
uh, a good 35 minutes to get like there's, a, there's a, a brilliant chef called brendan collins who's english and uh he does a crack in fish and chips and uh, a very it's good probably Sunday quite rice. it's probably quite good in la though because you know you you know it's a different body type isn't it so it's probably good you, it's quite hard to find fish and chips it's good that it's not in your corner Do yeah you know, i mean every night yeah, I, I suppose so. I suppose so. But God, I, I do miss being able to just go down the chippy on a Friday night and get and get fish and chips and stuff. But, but, but yeah. to get that part, I mean, we've obviously I've spoken to so many actors on this, you know, and people go, "How you were you grew up in Ilford? So how did it kind of happen?" That I mean, were you were you already acting? Were you going to? I mean, how do you suddenly get in a massive film at five years old? It it was a bizarre just series of events. My mum and dad run an Irish dancing school uh, called McGuire O'Shea in in Ilford and, and and all around London. They they have which is huge, isn't it? It's huge. I mean, yeah, it's really well renowned. Yeah, it's still one of the biggest schools in 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 England, and um, they produced a lot of champions and world champions and stuff. And we we would often do exhibitions in places. My dad's a very just a very good man, and uh, he would. Uh, he would make us go and do exhibitions at old people's homes and at different things, you know, um, where, you know, you just do what your parents say at that age. And I remember we were dancing somewhere, uh, somewhere kind of bigger and public. And there was a woman who sadly long since passed now called Peggy O'Farrell. And she was a, a big agent at the time. And she saw my brother and my sister dancing. And she said to my dad, they're very talented kids. Do you think they'd have any interest in, in acting? And my dad was a sort of a bit of a, has always been a fan of, of acting and drama. And he did a little bit of Andram and stuff himself. And he said, well, yeah, I'm sure they would, as long as it doesn't interfere with their schoolwork. And then just, you know, I, obviously I don't remember much about it. It's a very, very long time ago. But then I think I had an audition, which I don't remember. Um, uh, I, I was very cheeky and, and precocious and stuff. And they were like, okay, this kid's the one. And I booked the job and then, and then that was it. That was the the start. Was I remember the starting. I spent, yeah, I remember being on set, and again, you know, it was one of three, soon to be one of six, and I was quite the attention-seeking little child. And being on set, you know, there's a hundred and something people around, and I remember, I do remember clearly filming a scene with Alan Bates in the car, where he was very sweet, and and he said. Um, now I'm going to back the car up, and I'm going to say to you, is there anything behind me? And you just say, no, Dad. Uh, he was very sweet and, and lovely with me. And uh, they turn over, rolling, sound, speed. And then uh, he says to me, is there anything behind me? And I say, uh, no, Dad. Well, apart from that camera crew. And <laughs> everybody stopped and they started laughing. And, you know, it was one of those funny moments. I wasn't trying to be funny, I, I, I seem to remember. But it just was like, well, there's nothing there because you have what you told me to say. But there is that big camera crew, so you want to watch it out. Well, I think that's a nice thing as a kid. You haven't got those, you know, worries. I mean, I've spoken to people like Sue Johnson here who says still, you know, when she does, when she did Downton Abbey, she stood there thinking still, people are going to find me out for being, you know, as you get older, you've got this thing in your brain that starts making you worry. I suppose that's a great thing as a kid. You don't, you, you're just being yourself, aren't you? And if you're a good actor, yeah, you're a good actor, but you're not, are. you're not worried no, about not. things that we're now worried about. No, exactly, and and I wasn't I wasn't uh, preoccupied with any of that. But but I remember that laugh. Those 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 seminal moments. You know those little moments in your childhood yeah. that make core memories. And I remember that that laugh and thinking, "What just happened? I like this. Did I just yeah, do?" Yeah, that? yeah, the, yeah. So there yeah. was something in a little attention-seeking child's mind. There was something in me that just sort of went. Oh, this might be something that I like and that I want to do. Yeah, it was a bit. It was a bit Moorish, and and then you know that, that I don't really remember. I mean, I remember 
Olivier being very, very sweet with us. It was me and two other kids. And it's weird, I was playing, it was it was about the story of John Mortimer, who was the writer who wrote Rumpole of the Bailey and other things, a very famous writer back in the 60s, 70s and stuff like that. And and so the Mortimers, you may have heard of Emily Mortimer, famous Yes, actress, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was at a party in LA once and I met her and she kind of looked at me and I was like, oh, that's Emily Mortimer. Because I'm still a massive fan of, of, of actors, especially good ones, and, and she's excellent. And she yeah. kind of looked at me funny and I was like, why is she looking at me funny? And then she went, hi, and I went, hi. And she was like, did you play my brother or something? And I was like, oh, my God. That's, that's amazing. You were, there. you were the kids that we were playing and stuff. So, um, brilliant. How amazing yeah, is that? Yeah, it's just it's just weird, and it, and you know, I, I think that that the seed was sown in me that, and I'm very lucky, despite this being a very challenging career, and you have a lot of ups and downs, and God knows I, I've had them, but but I've always known what I wanted to do, and I've yes. always loved what I do, and I've just been so incredibly lucky that to do something you love. That's a good thing yeah, about this well, job, isn't it? It's amazing. I've never deviated. I never, I've never sort of said, oh, actually, I mean, I, I think. It, Sort of famously, I did say on a documentary for Grange Hill after I'd booked the part, which is all I wanted, was that part. Then I think they ended the documentary saying, yeah, I've done this now. Now I want to be an astronaut, which I think I want to be an astronaut for about five minutes. But really, <laughs> I, all I've ever wanted to do was be an actor. And so I feel very, very, very lucky that, um, you know, 40 odd years later, I'm, I'm still... And you've been part of, I mean, you moved me nicely on. You did have a little part in the Monty Python's Meaning of Life. Again, we'll just skip over that because there's so much to come on to. We have to get to yeah. Grange Hill because obviously Grange Hill, I mean, how old are you, Sean? I'm 46 now. 46, so two years older than me. So the, I, re- I mean, I remember you in Grange Hill because Grange Hill at the time, I remember Grange Hill being some parents used to let their kids watch it, some didn't. Luckily, my we mum were, did. We were in the not, we were in the not allowed watch it camp. Oh, we were you? To, well, we managed to sort of persuade our parents because our parents were always so busy. By then, you know, at that age, there was about five of us. And I think they were like, I'll just let them watch it, God, whatever. Just whatever shuts them up kind of thing. Which now we were talking about kids' TV. I mean, it's mad now to think we weren't allowed to watch Grange Hill. I mean, it was... It was rough, wasn't it? It was was at the time. I mean, now you would think it was kind of really soft, wouldn't you, now? Yeah. Well, the world's changed quite a bit since then. But But, I mean, it was... What a great show to be involved in. You played Tegs, for anyone who doesn't know, but most of the listeners will, uh, from 1988 to 1991. And it was a ground, it was actually such a groundbreaking show because it was watched by kids at school. It was kind of like watching your own life, but obviously like all, you know, all these shows are, it's very heightened. I mean, again, what was it like being, I remember it was my first work experience on Grange Hill, actually. And I remember it was a weird we're, the only programme I've worked on with basically the whole cast is mainly kids. And it was a weird environment, I suppose, because they're also doing tutoring at the same time, but then doing this kind of amplified version of their own life. I mean, was it quite weird being in that? And what was the attention like from your real school people? Uh, it, it, well, I, I loved Grange Hill. Like, uh, you know, I, I did not like real life school. I had a tough time um, because... By the time I joined secondary school, I went to a school called Cannon Palmer in Ilford. I was already shooting Grange Hill. Right. And, and so, um, you know, a lot of people think, oh, got it. You know, if you're on a uh, nine and a half million people were watching Grange Hill at that time. Uh, so most of my school yeah. was watching. I mean, you wouldn't get that on a Saturday night BBC drama now if you were lucky. So um, it was so widely watched. There were only three, four channels at the time and everybody watched Grange Hill. And so when I went to real school, um, I had a really hard time with the other students. I had I'm a sure, yeah. friends. My older brother was a year above me, and 
all of our mates from then are still my mates today. We're still, I'm still on a WhatsApp group with all of the lads that that, that stuck with me and stuck by me and, and kind of helped me get through it. But, the, I, but other than them, I had a really, really tough, tough time um, uh, because the teachers were also really horrible to me as well. Not all of them, but a lot of them. And I, looking back, I'm like, borderline child abuse, what some of them did. And is that because, you know, I think there's a perception even now, you know, my friend, I'm friends with lots of that's obviously, and there's a perception for people who aren't, you know, oh, I bet they're a nightmare kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? It Was it that, probably the, exactly the same, it's lasted, it's still the same, that people expect you probably to be a stuck-up little brat, even if you're not. Yeah, well, there's that, but also I think that they felt threatened by the idea that, um, that uh, I, I would draw attention from them or that I would not um, be a good student or it was just, um, you know, they just, it, it was a threat to the stability of the class is the only thing I can think of. Yeah, I see. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Which so, I suppose um, you can see, I mean, it, and, you know, did you realise obviously at the time we said 9 million people are watching, which was incredible. I mean, incredible. I mean, literally most, you know, most of my friends watched it at the same at the time. But did you again, you, you were what? How old were you then at age 11 when you started on it? Did you kind of was obviously that's what shot you, even though you'd done these films. This is what shot you to real fame, because we know what fame's like and it stayed the same. What was it like at age 11 suddenly taking that on? I mean, at school it was hard, but did you kind of feel the magnitude when you took that part on? Yes. Yeah, I did. I mean, I, that was when I really started getting recognised by other kids. Um, uh, so, it, you know, that was my first sort of brush with fame and and understanding what fame was. And, you know, first I thought the idea of being recognised was really cool. I mean, like any kid, you know, it's why every kid, I think, obsessed over superheroes and stuff. You just want to feel a bit special feel yeah a bit totally unique. yeah have something that that sets you apart from the crowd and and this did that and and I didn't realize at the time that they gave me such a great character um and, yeah and oh you were one of the most memorable so characters yeah yeah and I, I again I didn't I was just so busy living my life I didn't really have a lot of time to process how do people perceive me or perceive the character and stuff like that and um it was a really special experience and I'll always be incredibly grateful to to um, Grain Chill and to, to those producers for taking a chance on me because it really changed my life forever. And um, But yeah, but balancing the shooting of the show and real school brought a lot of problems and uh, it wasn't, it wasn't um, always Easy. positive. But and you know, I, I realise now that a lot of the things that happened were part of the training that I needed to toughen up and figure out how I was going to navigate the rest of my life slash career. You know? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think any child actor says exactly the same. I don't think it ever kind of changes from that. But, but then obviously, I mean, I've worked at Elstree. For anyone that doesn't know, Elstree, Borewood is where Grange Hill was, Top of the Pops, EastEnders, Holby City. I, when I was on work experience, you must remember this as well, going to the canteen, you'd have kind of Doc Cotton sat there possibly Madonna and a couple of people with blood dripping out of their heads. It was a kind of crazy, yeah. it was a kind of the most amazing place to work at that point. Yeah. I mean, incredible. And, and I, that's really where I kind of fell in love with being at a studio, being around. Yeah, me too. Being around. I mean, to this day, I'm, I'm really, um, I find the crew uh, very much, no matter what show I'm on, I always think of them as an extended family and, I think it's really, really important to to respect the crew and to be 
professional and to be polite and to acknowledge the fact that they get there before you and they leave after you and that um and they you know, were the yeah they were uh, the one thing is i think you saying that there's actors i work with obviously i won't name names who who don't do that and actually you know there'll be actors who go why is the set so cold and you're like well because you've not been nice to the crew at all so they're probably not going to go out of their way to be do you know what i mean to do the little well, things i think the thing is it's just you just got to remember it's very easy to become very me 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 when you're an actor and and i just think probably coming from a large irish catholic family and and being told yeah. that you've got to play nice you've got to be good you've got to be respectful i just i i have a a little bee in my bonnet about actors that don't respect the crew or if you know you know in america sometimes there's the, the people that won't come out of their trailer or they'll turn up two hours late and i've had quietly a couple of words with some actors who i won't mention and i just i've said to more than a couple of actors um i've knocked on the trailer door and just said um do you mind if i have a word and they're like sure and i say um you realize that they get here before us and they leave after us and that we earn more money than them they've got children that they want to put to bed and yeah 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 that from happening so with respect, get your ass out of the trailer and let's go do some work. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I've, I've worked, I've been very lucky enough to work with some of the best actors in the world and they don't do that. You no, know, they no. Don't oh, you're always, right. it's always the really good people that don't do it. And that probably comes from your training on things because we'll move on to EastEnders. And I know that people, are, I've worked on all the soaps and people are very good at actually, you know, the Emmerdale is probably the best for it. There's no hierarchy. People are easily put in their place. But we moved yeah. to East Enders because obviously you move across to L Street, the, the, to the lot. And again, you weren't in East Enders for that long, but you made, I remember, like you made such an impression. You played Aidan, who was a young Irish footballer. Um, yeah. Again, going from Great Hill, then going to East Enders, as we know at that time, that's in like, you know, 20 million kind of, you know, area of viewers. I mean, that literally catapults you to absolute, and that did catapult you to absolute, you know, the, the stratospheric you know i would compare it people listening who wouldn't have watched it then you know it was kind of like the kardashians of today the eastenders cast wasn't it it was like you were huge yeah. it was it was a really big deal and again i think you know this was pre-smartphones pre-internet pre-personal computers um pre-youtube we we didn't have that much choice so even if you didn't particularly care for eastenders it was probably i mean eastenders was on a tuesday and a thursday back then and i think it was thursday night was sort of Top of the Pops, EastEnders, Tomorrow's World. It was sort of the channel most households had the TV on, even if you weren't really paying attention to it. And so, I mean, at the peak of when I was in it, I think there was somewhere between 20 to 25 million people watching it twice a week. And then, you know, that talking about that experience, that first experience of fame on Grange Hill, going to a show where there's 20-odd or 20 odd million people watching it there's about 60 million people in the country that's sort of one in three households are watching, watching it. it yeah yeah there's a different between fame like an obama or a beckham or a kanye kind of fame like everybody knows who you are to just being very recognizable and the difference between it is when people see you in their living room twice a week they think of you as something as that person that and also that person room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, a lot. I mean, I can't even tell you how many people that still have trouble discerning the actor from the character. Like, I'm not Aiden, the Irish footballer. I'm just Sean. But and, I think um, we always say on this what soap does. I mean, it is the best training ground. I was a director there. It's the best training ground to be a director because also not only you know it's one of the hugest shows ever, but you're working far back then certainly faster than any other show. So you're kind of, you're under this, for me, you're under this unique pressure that no one understands out there that you're filming 
X amount of scenes in a day and that you're filming them out of order. And you're, I mean, it's kind of the pressure on those shows is huge. And it, I mean, I'm sure you'll agree. It's a great training ground for an actor. How many jobs do you get to play, you know, so many different storylines basically as one character? Because soap allows you to kind of the character to, of course, it's not realistic in how the characters change, but it's amazing how things that actually you get to play so many different kind of, you know, stories. Yeah, I, I mean, and it's sort of a bit like, you know, when I, when I was younger and I'd speak to older actors, they all kind of did repertory theatre where you had to learn. You might be doing Henry V, but, you you know, you're learning the seagull or the cherry orchard uh, that you're going to do in two weeks. And I, I train actors now and they go, oh, God, two pages. How am I supposed to learn all that? I'm like, what? <laughs> you used to have to learn 12 a night while doing other scenes. I was like, you know, the, 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 the standards and the bars, I think, have dropped. And I tried to install that in my actors. Like, Look, if you want to do this, if it's about fame, go and be a YouTuber. Yeah, don't do it. Go no, it's about the... This is for actors who want to train. This, yeah. And you cannot, in my opinion, um, it, it's very difficult to imagine having a, a long career without some knowledge of the craft and what we do and how you go about it. And there's a lot of work involved. I think people just oh, go, oh, there is. Yeah. Oh, and I have loads of Instagram followers and I just want money. And I'm like, right, well, there's other ways to get that. But if it's acting you want to do... There's going to be there's going to be some proper work involved. So I, I think that's where things. I think that's where it's really important to work. You know, I always said when Barbara Windsor left EastEnders when I was there, it was kind of like lacking that. You know, per, people who worked the boards. You know, and I work again naming their names. Some younger actors came in, and you just thought they were you know never knew their lines. You know, were worried about the fact. And you're kind of thinking Barbara. You know, the older like we said, the actors that have done this as a, their career. You know, you go on coronation with Barbara Knox. She knows it. It's one take. You know, never gets a line wrong. And I would go, you know, that is what needs to continue in the industry. That teaching, we'll get to your teaching in a bit, but it, that you're completely right. You know, use that experience, not for the fame, because that will come anyway, but, you know, to 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 hone your craft. Well, and, and, you know, I had the pleasure of meeting Barbara a couple of times. And, I mean, you know, the word legend gets banded around a little bit. Oh, which she is. Yeah, like, yeah. Which oh, she, she was. was. And, and, again, you know, she was... She's like she was iconic and so flipping nice, you know. I, I never got to work with her because I'd left the show before she joined, I think. But all I ever heard was how nice she was, how professional she was. And there's an old school way of thinking that certainly in Britain that that's how it's done. Yes, you know, yeah, you yeah, yeah. Up, you're just you doing it. She, she was like, it's just a job, you know. You're just doing a yeah. job, and we're here but, to do the job. Yeah, never, never failed to be nice. Never failed to be professional. Never failed to. Um, remember what's at the core of what we do. Um, and Remember I just, that some people don't get to have lemon on their fish, Sean. That's, isn't it? It's always yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it is fancy as me. Yeah. Um, I just, I find that, you know, as I'm, I, it's funny, life goes in the, in the blink of an eye and now I'm, I'm a middle-aged guy with three children and I'm teaching young actors and, and so much of what they installed in me, those great older actors that took the time to put an arm around me. Yes, and yeah. This is how we do it, kid. You know, don't ever forget to respect the crew. Don't ever be late. Don't ever turn up without knowing your lines. It's so disrespectful to the process because there's people out there, certainly when I was younger, that would literally give their right arm to be in your Could position. Oh, completely so and utterly, yeah. You cannot forget how fortunate you are. And it's something that I've really held with me. Well, it really, whole... and that's why I mean, it really shows in your career. Now, quickly, we're going to do a quick quiz of some of the parts. I'm going to see if you can remember. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to mention them all. You've been in so many things. Whether you can mem- remember who you played. So we'll quickly skip on from oh, Eastenders. You were in Dodgem. Who did you play in Dodgem? 
Oh, I remember that one. That was I played Simon Layton. Yeah. Oh, wow. I didn't expect the surname. I only expect the first. Well, that one. That was my first lead as a show. I was the lead of the show, and I'd left Grange Hill because my dad had sort of persuaded me. I think you should leave because your exams are going to come up, and you're not going to do well at school because you're falling behind. So I left Grange Hill to focus on my schoolwork. And then I got that show, and I was like, "Oh boy, here we go." This was yeah, big. forget the schoolwork. Forget the schoolwork. Where I met my friend Hugh Bonneville. Hugh Bonneville was working on that show, oh, and it's wow. really one of my good friends to this day. And again, just a, a great experience. And Lucy Speed, the wonderful Lucy Speed. And oh, I love so, Lucy um, Speed. That, that was a lovely, lovely job, and and a really special one. So I do, I do remember that one. Yeah. Okay, Growing Pains. Oh. Yes, I remember that was the amazing, amazing Ray Brooks, who I, another actor that took time to put his arm around me and teach me a thing or two. It was the character Jason? Yes. Oh, you're doing really well. Most people never get any of these. I mean, most people forget that, you know, the last part. Okay, this one I'm sure you won't get uh, because it would have been a one off probably. The Bill. Oh, God, no. No, no you were Darren. Darren Hancock in the bill. Oh, my God, Darren. I should have remembered that because that's my older brother's name. And now that you've you got a surname, that's quite rare in the bill. You know, I always used to love going to the theatre. <laughs> I'm fancy. I got a name. A yeah, you got the first name. I always remember going to the theatre and every, you know, you go and see a theatre show and every normally in every programme, everyone's done the bill. <laughs> I was going to say Lee for some reason, but maybe it's because I'm talking to a Lee. But no, yeah. Now that's that coming up. To be honest, that's coming up. So yeah, that's going to be one oh, of them. Okay. Right. Okay. So you've got Dangerfield. Uh, oh, I remember that one because uh, I was named after one of my favourite fictional characters, Marty. I was a huge you fan. Were, you were Marty Dangerfield, another lead. Marty Dangerfield, yeah. Um, now, this one you probably won't get as well, but actually, bizarrely, I mean, I'll give you just the clue anyway. So I say people have done Holby City in the bill. It's the same name. So Holby City. Oh, God, no idea. You were Darren again. Oh, was that Darren again? Darren That's again so in Holby cool. City, yeah. And wow. And the show that, you know, again, another massive show with another former EastEnders star, Michelle Collins, Sunburn. Who were you in Sunburn? Was that the one I was Lee in? Yes, that's the one you were Lee in. Okay. Yeah, Lee Wilson. Right. And that's where we met. That's just so everyone knows. Listening, I, uh, well, I didn't actually meet you. I set up a film for you for BBC Holiday Show. We presented, I think, where it was filmed. But, I mean, I always think about people uh, filming in the sun, and it's never as uh, glamorous as people think, is it, at all? No, but that that job sunburn was actually that was one of the jobs where I felt uh, I had a little few lessons that I learned on that one where I think I got a bit overexcited and thought I was on holiday for three months. And uh, I was about 20, I don't know, 21, 22, something like that. I can't even remember how old I was, but I remember going out and drinking a little bit too much and being a bit silly and um, not you know i started to get a bit uh a little bit too relaxed and uh did a few like silly nothing really crazy but no just, but just... it's probably good you did that as well i think everyone you know at that age you need to go through that you know i mean yeah, as long as you, you don't know, do it through barrymore style do you know what i mean but she learned yeah, from that, I, was most... just, I was like oh i'm young and i'm an actor and i you know i was hanging out with these other cool actors on the show and a lot of legends came and just did little one-offs on that so that was cool but yeah, a few silly little mistakes on that one, but it was a, a really great job, really fun. But uh, that one, I sort of went, ooh, yeah, maybe maybe get back to the old school way. Of, yeah, I think of, Michelle said the same thing, actually. So that was that production. Now, we'll yeah, go I think on. We're going to party a bit too much on that. Yeah, one. but of course you would when you go abroad. Now, we'll get to American a bit, but we have to obviously mention the pop career as well, which is amazing. Um, mm. You had, uh, let me get some facts here. You had 20 weeks in the top 40, 34 weeks in the top 75, 
three albums. I mean, it's incredible. Um, when so your your biggest single was called Good Day in 1996. Yeah. And again, mm-hmm. I mean, you won't remember at all. Can you think of the number one selling single of that year? Just to take people back, you were against big things and you were kind of about 35 in the best selling songs, I think. 96. Uh, oh, was it Take That? They were there actually. It was the Fuji's oh. killing me softly, and then Wannabe oh, too. Wow. I mean, a, a good year for pop. Yeah, yeah. I, it was there was a lot of good music at that time, and I, frankly, I was like, I don't know what I was doing there in the first place. I mean, I I had a strange mixed feeling. I mean, I was offered record deals and stuff after EastEnders, and I kept saying no, uh, thank you, that's very kind, but I have no discernible talent. I can't sing. I can't write. I don't. Play <laughs> oh, can you not sing? Can you not? Well, I mean, I kind of, I after, I did sort of learn to sing because I, I very nearly did Joseph in the Technicolor Dreamcoat. So I went off and learned with this incredible teacher called Mary Hammond who taught me a thing or two. But I'm not, I wouldn't consider myself uh, in any way, shape or form a good singer. I mean, I've since, I didn't know anything about music then. I've fallen in love with music now and I play the guitar and I play the piano a little bit and I sing all the time. So I don't, I haven't got the world's worst voice. Uh, I also did a movie where I played an Irish musician. And so, you know, I've learned to get a bit better at it, but I, I wouldn't describe myself as a singer. I mean, it's kind of what people, people did as well. That, that Again, it went through a stage back then. I mean, most obviously massive people like Kylie came out of Neighbours. They went yeah. through a stage, didn't they? Adam Rickett, obviously from over here. There were quite a lot of people. It was kind of the way to go, I think. It's a different world now, but it's a way to go that people were this big on telly. So people just thought, let's make yeah. them a pop star as well. Which, again, as a young guy, must have been a dream still, though, you know, to be a pop star. Well, it, it, it was, but it wasn't my dream. I, I, I just didn't know what I was going to do. It's a long story. I won't go into the whole thing, but I, I'd said no to all these record deals. So I was like, this is embarrassing. I, I, have no, I have no right to be there. There's all these talented people out there. They should get the record deals, not me. I'm an actor. Um, and then I had a really bad motorcycle accident and nearly died. And then when I was lying in hospital, I was like, you know what? I don't know what's going to happen with the rest of my life. I, don't, I left the soap. By, back then, you leave the soap, you've got zero credibility. It's not like things are now. No, and I yeah, just, true. And then this amazing man called Ian Allen. Um, I didn't trust any of the people that came. My dad, again, was very great at going, this guy's not good. This guy's not good. because And looking back, I won't mention names, but some of them went to prison. Some of them are now dead. Um, oh, God, right, okay. My dad was right. <laughs> and I didn't try, we just didn't trust any of them. And then this amazing guy from Warsaw, Birmingham, called Ian Allen came along. And I just fell in love with him and trusted him straight away. And he was the one that said, just give me a couple of years of your life. And I promise you, it'll take you through that transition of being, you know, a, a teen into a, a young 20-something. And and we did it. And, and you know, I ended up learning more from that experience of, of being signed to Parlophone at EMI than, than I had a lot of other things in my life. So I'm grateful to it now. Uh, and now I can look back on it with more fondness. But I just felt so incredible. I, I You know, like, well, kids, you want to be cool? And I just felt like I was so not cool. And so... I just there was a lot of uh, angst and and sort of self-loathing and God, what am I doing and all of that during that period. I wish I'd I wish I'd have been kinder to myself and let myself enjoy it a bit more because I think I was very tough on myself. And again, it was the young years, a little bit too much drinking. And I think people are still the same today. I mean, imagine then having social media as well, isn't it? Nowadays, as well, isn't it? I just thank God there were not camera phones and social media because. I definitely would have fallen under the weight of it. I, I just managed to get through it with my life and my sanity. But if, if social media had existed, then I, I, I don't think I would have fared so well. And was it the same kind of fame, being a pop star? I mean, as you know, you were already uh, really famous. It was a different sort of thing. I remember saying to the record, I'm a very 
honest person. I try to tell the truth all the time, unless it's unless it, unless I'm going to hurt somebody's feelings. And I remember saying to the record company the day that I signed, I'm in EMI Parlophone, and I'm in the, the the building where the Beatles were signed. And you know, it was just this extraordinary thing. And I said to them, "Look, before you hand this check over, I feel like I should be honest with you about something. I really don't think." that I am talented at this. And I don't think, I think I said, I've been kind of well known for a while. I think girls were going to, you know, I used to film at Elstree and when Take That or E17 were there, thousands of girls would be outside. I said, if these girls were going to love me or, you know, do that for me, I think they'd have already done it. And the head of the record company went, don't worry, they'll be there. They'll be there. Once you release a record, they'll be oh, there. Oh, yes. Yeah, as we like, know they are. Yeah. yeah. I, really, I really don't think this guy knows what he's talking about, but okay, you're the head of a record company, a big one. So I made a record and then all of a sudden there were girls there. So it was a bizarre thing where it just all felt a little bit disingenuous and I just didn't really feel like I had big imposter syndrome on that. Massive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But three albums, which is amazing. There's still three albums to look back on that you can keep in your CD cabinet. It's (laughs) kind of crazy. I don't have them, but um, I don't have a CD player for one. But um, but yeah, again, it was an amazing experience and I'm glad. It it definitely something that I'm glad that I have... uh, you know that, that I did in my done life. Done it, yeah. I'm not asking for the world just for you to love me, girl. So, Pop Cree, you've had your albums. Then, obviously, Hollywood happened. Why did you decide to kind of make the move over to America in the end? Um, well, it was always where I wanted to go, it was always on, it was always the map where it was the goalposts that I was kicking towards. That was always the dream. And I, um, it's again, like most of the things in my life, not not strategized or not orchestrated by me, just a, a, a fortuitous turn of events. And um, I, once I'd finished the music and, uh, and I'd been in the soap, I was like, well, that's it. I'm done. I've got zero credibility. I'm never going to work again. That's my life's over. I'm, I'm you finished. You felt like that. that. Yeah. You totally oh, for like sure. I felt like that was it. I was done. And I, I thought I'd crammed all my life into a short period of time. And I spoke to my agents. I said, what do I do now? I, I just, I'm in love with what I do. And I can't, I can't imagine life without it. And they said, well, it's credibility. You want, you have to go do theatre. And I said, oh, I'm scared of that. That's real acting. And they went, yeah. And I said, well, what, what theatre? Like, really hard theatre? And I went, Shakespeare. And I was like, oh, God. Oh, I yeah, just, a, just light theatre. Just light I was theater. like, I've never been in a play. How am I going to do that? So anyway, I was like, all right, let's get to work. So I rolled my sleeves up, and then I fought hard for uh, a role um, to play Romeo in Romeo and Juliet. Wow. And it was one of the hardest things I'd ever done in my life. Um, I, I quit drinking, quit smoking, and quit everything, and just locked myself in a room and tried uh and did i was just completely like a monk i just didn't do anything but read where was this where was this that you did it i did it it at the oldest fringe venue in london it's called king's head theater oh yes i've been there many times yeah amazing venue uh and it's an amazing place where a lot of great actors have yeah wow it was terrifying absolutely very intense there as well very intense theater very and, and a tough play you know an amazing play but it's a tough play and um and I just worked harder than I've ever worked and it ended up being a real success and it changed something in me enormously where I just thought, oh, so if you really dedicate yourself and you really, really work hard, you can you can climb over those, you can get past those boundaries and stuff. 
And so that just installed something in me where I started to believe maybe I could do this. And and then um, just uh, bizarre, uh, uh, there was a there was a, a little drama called Dear Nobody, which was actually made by the BBC for with the intention of showing it in schools about a young guy and a young girl who uh, fall in love and, and he gets her pregnant. And I, I really wanted this role for some reason. I just really, I loved the character and I felt I could bring something to it. And I, they passed on me a couple of times and then they went, oh, actually, we'll bring you back. And I had to audition like three or four times for this little thing. I'd done a lot bigger stuff, but this, they made me climb through. Yeah, yeah, which is again, so much probably stuff. good, yeah. I eventually got the role um, and, um, uh, and, and funnily enough, there was an American manager who was looking at the girl playing opposite me to maybe represent her, saw me and went, oh, he's okay. Called my agents and said, would you like representation in America? They called me. Would you like? I was like, oh my god, yes, wow, yes, yeah. And so we met, and I liked him. I mean, I more than liked him. I really, really loved him and trusted him, and just thought he was a great guy. And and then he started sending me auditions for things like Spider Man, the Spider Man, the movie, um, and then a couple of which I was like, are you out of your mind? This is crazy. <laughs> um, but then there was a film called The Princess Diaries, which I auditioned for on tape in London. They sent the tape to Gary Marshall, the director of Pretty Woman. And he went, I like this kid. Let's get him over here. So they flew me to L.A. Wow, amazing. I auditioned for Gary Marshall um, for The Princess Diaries. I didn't get it, uh, which was really heartbreaking. But while I was there, my manager, who was amazing, said, and this is bad. I don't even know if they do this anymore, but he shot me round to all the studios. Like, come on, like, like I was a new toy. And I was just so excited to be in Hollywood and so grateful and so humbled that I didn't think anything was going to happen. I was like, I'm in Hollywood, man. This is crazy. And I went into Warner Brothers um, and met the great Barbara. Oh, God, what's her name? Barbara something. She cast the kids in Friends. She put Clooney in ER. She cast the West wow. Wing. I mean, and I was, I knew her, Barbara Miller. Uh, and I knew her name because I'd seen her name. I read the casts and the, the credits and stuff. And I was yeah. like, you're Barbara Miller, you cast friends, you do. And she was like, oh my God, this kid knows my resume. And I was like, you're a legend. Oh my God, this is, a ma- I can't believe I'm meeting you. This is such a big deal. And I was just sort of silly and funny. And, and I suppose I was attempting to be charming. And she said, all right, that's it. I love you. Uh, we're going to take you to meet the president. And I was like, oh my God. I was like, I was like Are you, is this like a joke or something? She was like, no, I see in you what I saw in George Clooney. And I was like, okay, get out of here. That's it. Now this is a wind up, blah, blah, blah. Five minutes later, I'm sitting in the president of Warner Brothers. Wow, office. that's amazing. And he just said, kid, we like you. and uh, We don't want you to go work for anybody else. So how about this? We give you some money and you come work for us on Warner Brothers. And I think <laughs> I'm going to cry. I think, about it, but, um, I think I cried in the office, you know. I think I was like, yeah. how on earth? You know, and am I just... sat here? But that, you know, why, mate? Because, like you said, so many people leave soap and stuff and think, right, that's it. What you did is still go back there wanting to act. You know, you went for, you didn't think you were it. You kind of wanted to still do your crafts, do the theatre, do whatever. And that is amazing. That just shows people out there, this is what you have to do, you know. So you so deserved it. But, I mean, I can't imagine being sat there going, what is happening to me? I'm getting a bit emotional thinking about it because I haven't really... I haven't thought about that moment for a while. But Again, yeah. A I mean, what a life, moment. what a life-changing moment. You know, what how yeah. many people get to have those? And you had a lot. That's what I mean. You you'd already had a lot in a way. 
you know yeah, that there I, you are. Is, I never, I don't look at it like that. I just feel so grateful, you know. And uh, so that that really just that just changed everything. And then uh, you know, auditions. They were sending me scripts and saying, "What about this?" And, like they wanted me to play Lax Luther in the Superman show. And I was like, "You know what? I don't, please don't think I'm being disrespectful, but I just." It's not what I see myself doing. Um, Which, again, is amazing, you see. That's amazing. All yeah, um, I knew it was going to be a big hit, but I thought, I don't want to just play the same character. For yeah, 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 not, yeah. Not in this for the money. I mean, I, I, I want money, I need money, and I had zero You're in it money. for the craft, which is I what love, is so... I love acting, I love playing characters, and I, and I just said, I want to try something else. And then this show called Off Centre came along. Uh, it was made by the guys who made American Pie, and it was a comedy, and I hadn't really done a lot of comedy, and I was like... I want to do this because I was mad about friends at the time. And I was like, I want to be in like the next friends. And at one point they said, well, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to be in friends. Yeah, and, yeah. Like, oh. and he got on the phone to David Crane, the creator of friends. And so I'm sending a kid over because he said, like, this is while I'm in the office. Isn't Jennifer Anderson going to have a boyfriend in the next season or something? We're going to send what? this guy. Over. Oh my God. So I went over and I met David Crane um, and David Crane seemed to like me. He was busy in the writer's room writing friends. I was like, this is the friends writer's room. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is too um, mad. This is too sadly, mad. sadly, Marta Kaufman uh, didn't particularly, she had somebody else in mind. So that didn't happen. But David Crane, after Friends, the next show that he made was a show called The Class. And then he cast me in the class. So I got to work with him. In the and interview. also America is very weird, isn't it? You know, they didn't know Friends was going to be that big. You know, there's so many shows that don't actually make it and so many shows that kind of make it, but they didn't know who's going to make it. So that's yeah, I mean, kind of the exciting thing about America, isn't it? Yeah. And, and it's just once you make it there, you're sort of worldwide and you've, you, it's the world's biggest stage, you know. And I just I just wanted a. it's like a young footballer. You know, you want to play it. Well, Mal, Man City, or you want to play at Real Madrid, you want to play at Barcelona. I was like, I want to get on the biggest stage. I want to, I want to stay hungry, learn, get better, and just battle and fight it out, you know. And so, uh, Warners have been great to me, and I and I worked for them, I think, on three separate shows back to back. After that, um, so that was again just incredible, just absolutely more fortunate than i than i ever deserved um, and again you've done so much i mean i can't even list them all what you've done it's amazing what you've done you're in a tv film prince charming opposite uh mm. people like Vinnie connolly christina Applegate, oh, yeah. one of my favorite actresses ever she's amazing uh, she's uh, still one of my closest friends and one of the most incredible women i know and oh I, she is amazing i'm very i absolutely love her one of the most clever actresses i think uh you're in a big film number one box office smash called meet meet the spartans where you wore very yeah. tight pants and looked like you probably worked out for probably i mean months and months <laughs> i had four weeks four weeks four weeks from getting the job to uh first day of shooting and oh my god were, absolute hell uh working out twice a day for two and a half hours a day seven meals a day protein shakes I mean, carrots I, yeah that's it just, it was just horrible it was absolute. people are like oh that must have been such fun i was like absolute hell it was absolute hell, hell. yeah 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 but, uh, but again but, you know um it was my first big studio movie and it went number one at the box office and stuff so that was an amazing uh Thing and an amazing feeling and, and how is it different than the uk you know how is for people that don't you know obviously know the industry i mean what are you know being you were you know really famous here i'm not talking about fame but as in how is it a different is it a totally different industry in la in america yes yeah it, it, i mean the, the nuts and bolts are the same but everything's just on a vaster stage um and you know, I mean, it's difficult to explain that. I mean, the world's changed so much since, I mean, it's been 20 or 
23 years or something. I've now lived in America as long as I lived in England. And yeah, when yeah. I came over here, there weren't that many English. It wasn't common to do what I did. Now there's pilot season. People and also big, TV hey. wasn't that big then, was it? You know, as in yeah. people doing TV shows is now kind of no, exactly. taking I mean, over TV, film. TV's taken over film in, in a lot of ways uh, because we're now in the golden age of television and we have streaming and we have HBO and we have Amazon and we have, you know, all these other things, Netflix. Um but yeah, I mean, everything, things have changed so drastically, but um, the, the core principles stay the same, which is do the work, you know, don't worry about the details, don't worry about all the spoils and all the fancy stuff, just focus on the work, because that, that will serve you well. If you get distracted by all the, the superficiality of it, um, it's distracting and it, and it, really, it really hurts. Totally. And yeah. we could talk about your career for ages, but let's end by talking about what you do now as well, which is the Players Conservatory, where we talked about it today. You help other people kind of learn their craft, don't you? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've sort of spent, you know, most of my career because I was a child actor, like a baby actor to a child actor to a teen actor to, to a 20-something. And one of the things that I get asked a lot by, by people, young people, old people, is uh, how do you do it? How did you get into it? And I said, well, I never knew how to answer the question. And, you know, I come from a family of teachers, and so teaching is very much in my blood. And when the, I'd sort of been having this idea, like, I'd love to set up a school. So when I'm in between jobs, I find being idle is not good. It's not good no. for actors. That's where you start to get yourself into bad habits. For anyone trouble. creative, I think, it's not good, that. You know, no, we always I, need to I, be busy. I need to be working. I need to be, yeah. I need to be performing. Or I need to be working with actors and stuff. And so, I, you know, when the pandemic hit, my brother had come to stay with me and he was teaching Irish dancing over Zoom and I was like you can do that over Zoom I didn't know that and and then I thought oh maybe I could set up a school and teach people all around the world over Zoom and you know before I knew it I we'd opened the school and we had you know 50 60 students from 35 different countries and you know I I just absolutely love it I really really get so much out of it because it's amazing helping people not just people that want to be actors but i have so many people that were just fans from once upon a time or something who probably just wanted to hang out on zoom you know yeah yeah yeah. But they're very shy and they, they they're like oh, i can't i can't i can't get up and make a speech at work i couldn't make a speech at my brother's wedding and i'm like well that's something i can think i can fix i think i can help you and so one of the things that i've absolutely loved is helping people that have crippling anxiety or shyness or, or just feel like oh i could never do that i'm like get, come to me I, I, I promise you, I can't, I can't, I can't make you talented, but whatever you walk in the door with, my promise is I'll double it and I will help you find your voice and I will help you find that confidence so that you can stand up in front of the class and do a monologue or play a scene. And, and one of the great joys of my life with all of the God blessed fortune that I've had is working with some students that were really, really shy and really had anxiety. And some of them, one of my students has just left to go off and, and work on a job, which is an amazing thing. And one of them has got to take some time off because she's got family issues, but she did her last lesson on Sunday and she did this performance. And I, I really kind of welled up because I was like, look at you. She was like, I know. And it just, to me, has been such a, such a thing it's lovely yeah. it's lovely to give back in a way isn't it when you like you said you feel so lucky which you're not lucky you're very talented but it is a lucky industry as well so i think it you know all respects you giving back and helping me because it is a really hard industry and knowing people like you is brilliant because you know you are there teaching people how it should be done 
uh, which is amazing, mate. I'm all respect for you, and I've loved. Well, thank you. Well, I thank you to the students that have come to me. And if there's anybody out there listening, going, well, I have some of these issues, then just look us up, theplayersconservatory.com. Send us an yes, email, please. Do. And, and, the and maybe teacher. And you can find um, the other things. Like people have made friends from all over the world. Like there's girls. I, t- I have a young person's class, and I saw recently that some of them had gone from Italy and the Netherlands all to meet up with each other, and they'll oh, jump. Wow, that's brilliant! And I was like. I'm a bit of a I'm a bit of an emotional guy and it just again just I was like oh my god my heart just soared you know? I'm glad we weren't you know in vision for this Sean because no, I'm, I'm an emotional so guy I'm, I'm so seen, glad now whenever I, I see fun. something getting emotional, I would, it would have been a disaster the last 15 minutes would have just been us sobbing on the podcast <laughs> but it, honestly no, yeah, it's been so... amazing to speak to you we could I could speak to you for hours it's been amazing thank you for coming on Thank you, Lee. I really appreciate it. And really. everyone, of course, head to the Players Conservatory to find out more. And, of course, go to uh, HMV and buy his three albums as well, if you want. <laughs> Do they still <laughs> have HMV? Is that still a thing? There is one. Thing? I saw one the other day in York. Yeah, I was in York oh, and there was wow. an HMV. I, I, I didn't it. look whether your album was there, to be honest. I oh, love that I your third album that. is a greatest hits, by the way. <laughs> yes, exactly, which is kind of ironic because I don't think I ever really had a big hit. But yeah, um, but nonetheless, I think it's the record company trying to get some money back off me. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, thank thank God for them and thank God for anybody who ever bought it. You know, It's been a pleasure, uh, mate. Thank you so much and uh, speak to you soon. Thank you, Lee. Thank you so much. Lovely to talk to you. I told you you were going to enjoy that. Thank you so much to the brilliant Sean Maguire for coming on Soap from the Box. Not only is it brilliant to see someone who is from the UK, of course, and started life in Grange Hill and he said to do so well and to smash Hollywood, but such a gentleman and such an aspiring guy for the younger generations. And if you are interested in joining him, you can go to www.theplayersconservatory.com or you can find Sean on Instagram. I am Sean Maguire. Of course, otherwise, Instagram us at soap for the box and i can give you the contact details thank you again sean i can't wait to actually go and meet him in la when i'm out there we can have a cocktail down by the sea in the sun oh wow looking out the window at the moment that just seems worlds apart anyway we have got more exciting episodes of soap from the box coming up remember there are almost 60 episodes right now to download and listen to wherever you get your podcasts i hope you have a brilliant week and i will see you soon